The topic of this session is men. Um, my name is Chuck. I am uh, one of your leaders for this meeting, and the other speaker is Wayne. This session is being taped and will not be edited. Please note that this session might be available online or on a podcast feed. Anyone wishing to remain anonymous should use a fictitious name. And we have a time over here. Um, and so the leaders share for 20 minutes, and then um, we have positive pitches for three minutes. Okay. And of course, there's the obligatory mess up with my phone. Um, so I'm Chuck. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm from uh, Toronto, Canada. And I speak softly, so if you can't hear me, then let me know. Um, so to qualify, um, I came in through these doors at 2011, around February-ish. Um, I came in around uh, around 500 pounds, probably about 525 pounds around there. Not that I'd weigh myself, but, you know, um, my waist was about 66. And I came into these doors, and I was hugged by about four little old ladies about this tall. And then I found uh, love and acceptance in this program. So what I'll do is I'll spend a little bit of time talking about my story and then a little bit of time talking about the topic. Um, so really, for me, life was pain. Um, and the only way I knew how to get rid of this pain in my childhood was to, um, was to eat. You know, I was the kid who, you know, I was a latchkey kid of an only child. So I was the only child, a latchkey kid, and my mother was, was divorced. So my mother was working many jobs and I was alone and it was normal for me to finish up school and, you know, at, you know, say grade six and, you know, 10, 12 years old and go and grabbing a huge slice of pizza and a bag of chips, a big bag of chips, finishing that off. And then, you know, just, you know, uh, having dinner after. So um, that, that to me is normal because that kind of sated my, my, my pain um, of being alone and being, you know, isolated. Um, and I grew up in a family that accepted that, that really just said, okay, well, you know, we're a heavy family. We're just heavy. You know, we eat a lot and we're heavy, Okay. And basically, you know, it was me and my mother and maybe my stepfather after when he came into the picture. And we had this nice little unit together where we would, you know, use the term binge bunnies now, but we, we, we would eat. And so anybody outside of that circle can, you know, go away. <laughs> we're, we're together, right? Um, and it was perfectly normal for us to, you know, um, come from Toronto. Buffalo is about an hour and a half away, so... It's perfectly normal for us to have some insanity and go across the border to Buffalo where the big and tall stores are a lot cheaper than in Canada, um, trying on the same pants that you wore and then realizing that you can't fit them anymore and going, damn, I can't fit that, those pants anymore. And going up another size and then going out and binging again in Buffalo, right? So it was one of those things that, you know, to me was perfectly normal thing to do. And then you, you know, get some history and get some perspective on you know, uh, from others in the rooms and realize, wow, that's, that's kind of insane. Um, and I come to realize I'm a bit insane when it comes around, when it comes to the food. Um, I'll tell, tell one more story about that. Just it's, um, to me, you know, um, I don't do things normally around food. You know, my, what happened, what changed my life was really the, that circle, my parents, uh, passing away. 
and we would, you know, my father, my stepfather was in a hospital. Uh, one day he was here, one day he was comatose and wasted away for two weeks because we were so heavy. Um, and the only reaction out of getting out of him was when he had to lift the crane up and change him and do all that. And then his pain from there. Um, you know, I remember, you know, we knew he was passing away. And all I remember really is, you know, eating the candy that he brought to the hospital with him. And well, do I realize now that bringing candy to a hospital maybe not, you know, it'd be a normal thing to do, but you know he had a big bag of candy in his in his hospital bag, and I remember eating that, watching him pass away. Mm. And if we're talking insanity, I mean, when he passed away, um, you know, my my aunt, who's like stick thin, would really just you know he, she she showed up. We're all around his body. And she showed up with a dozen donuts. And we put the donuts on my father's legs when he's passed away and started eating donuts around him as like a homage to him or something like that. And we finished the dozen donuts and there's one left. And pardon me for mentioning a name, but Maple was, was dad's favorite. You know, and there was one donut left. And, you know, my stepbrother reaches over to grab it. And my father makes this shivering sound with him, you know, that recently deceased bodies do, you know. And any normal person who's eating donuts off of somebody who's just passed away would think that that shivering would be a sign from God to say, leave my goddamn donut away, alone, leave it alone. And that donut, you know, was not left alone, it was eaten. I'm not normal around food. You know, that's not a normal thing to do. Um, you know, so my father passed away, and that's fine because I have my mother, and I'm a bit of a mother's boy, and you know, that's fine. You know, um, fast forward one year, my mother has, you know, breast cancer. You know, and she's in palliative care. I don't know if they call it hospice care down here, but you know, she's at my house in my living room, um, pa- passing away. You know, for months at a time, and you know. Um, and I remember, you know, with the cancer pills and whatnot, we would always bring down two plates. She would never eat, and two empty plates would go upstairs. Um, and I was definitely having two meals plus snacks. Um, that that really, for me, is the bottom when she passes away. Um, you know, we had a joke in our family that, you know, you know, I don't care what what happens, you know. I want to fit in a normal-sized coffin, and because both of them passed away with cancer, that was, um, you know, that was fulfilled, right? They, you know, they never sought the medical care that you know large people really need to get, but don't want to be lectured on by doctors because you know I'm going to get big pills, but I'm also going to get a lecture about my size, and you know, certainly I felt that way too. So she. Um, you know, she passed away, and then my bottom goes, right? Because my support structure is gone. I'm, you know, I'm pissed off every day that I wake up. I'm pissed off that I'm living. You know, I don't want to die. I just don't want to live anymore. You know, um, and the month after she passes, then I, I find OA. And I go to this meeting that, you know, again, four little old ladies showed up. You know, they're about yay high, and they all hug me, and I'm like, okay, this is the place. Is this the place I need to be? Um, and then they told their stories, and their stories are like my stories of, you know, um, 
that I thought were secret, right? I thought nobody else did what I, I did to food. Um, and really, I, re- I related. And, you know, from there, I like to say I ate the program like I ate the food, right? Like I just dove right in. I had, surprisingly, I was unproductive at my job. I had worked a nine-to-five office job and... You know, um, I was done in two hours. My one of my tasks were done in two hours, and I had like whatever six hours. Well, six hours. I, you know, listened to podcasts for six hours. I got into big book studies on online, put my earphones in, and do my work. And you know, I did my I did my fourth step at work. Believe it or not, you know, um, on Excel. You know, so you had all the columns there and password protected, and um, and then I realized maybe I should be useful at work. Um, hey, that's what they pay me for to be useful. So, um, you know, like like you know, program says be useful. So that was you know, I need to to get you know the maximum out of a day because um, I lost thirty eight years essentially of my life. So being in the food, so you know, I do stuff like this, and you know try to provide service as much as I can. And that includes when I'm at work, giving as much as I can. Um, and I found this really great um, linkage between service and work. You know, our, our intergroup needed a, uh, needed a new website. So I joined a committee to, to do that. And it was really, really cool. And I like, really like this, you know, designing this website business. Um, so our intergroup did it. And then the, you know, the, Parent Teacher Association I'm associated with up in Canada. They're like, well, we need a new website, and we have no money. And I'm like, well, okay, well, I, I know how to do a website. I can do a website for you, and try and do the website. Um, so I did their website based on the service on at, at OA. And then the friend, one of the friends from the PTA, said, like, I have a company, and you know, uh, I need a website done. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm not working for a company, you know. And they're like, well, we'll pay you. And I'm like. I can do a website. Um, <laughs> I'm like, thank you. So it, it, this whole service thing rolled into something else, which I really do um, appreciate. And, you know, it just reminds me that I'm learning new skills here and I can put them in use in my life and put them in use at, at work and with my family. Um, so really what life is now like is, I feel like I'm a middle timer. I don't know if that qualifies me with like seven years in, um, if that qualifies me as a middle timer, but I'm finding like really, um, I'm finding I'm forgetting the pain and I can't believe that. I, I, I find myself forgetting like, like step one stuff, like I'm forgetting my history sometimes. I'm like, oh, I have to really like remember why I'm in this program. Um, you know, um, it, it's really funny and, and I and I find that my vigilance now has to be, you know, super hyper aware right now. Um, you know, just because, you know, if I, you know, I'm not going to mention certain foods, but if I, if I go into certain what we, we call yellow light foods and I really got to watch myself because, you know, physically I will, um, I will not be well. So, I find that vigilance really, you know, necessary. Um, you know, I don't have a career in dieting, uh, and I know a lot of people do of like, you know, trying to lose weight and then gaining a bunch. And that's not me. I've had acceptance of my weight all of my life from the people who I care about. So, you know, they're like, oh, and they left. So, 
you know, the idea of like reducing food but not dieting is really, um, you know, something I, I'm challenged with sometimes. Um, but then I listen to people. And I listen to, you know, if you were speakers, um, I heard one at assembly saying, you know, well, I just, I just, you know, did this and I followed their rules. And I'm like, oh, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, so I find myself just, you know, being really hypervigilant of what I'm, you know, doing in service. Am I overextending for service? Am I doing too much service and not enough self-care, as they call it? Even though service is like self-care, but, um, um, so anyway, I'm going to talk about, um, the topic now. Um, and, you know, I'm a, you know, I check all the kind of, you know, the, the boxes, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a male, I'm white, I'm, I'm heterosexual, I don't have any disabilities, I'm, you know, that you see. Um, you know, I'm, I, I come from the privilege, right? Like, kind of made in life, kind of. And I walk into these rooms and I'm like, oh, I got to put perspective on. I'm going to realize that, you know, I'm kind of not, um, I don't always need to be, you know, the majority, you know. And to me, I can listen to, um, you know, to me, it's, it's knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm in a group and being, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of. I want to say vigilant, but that's not the word. Or just being understanding of, okay, you know, whoever is speaking at this podium is their perspective, and I can always take something from that. Um, and I find that, you know, being a man in program, I'm always the token man. I'm always the guy who carries the boxes. You know, I don't know if you guys have a box where you have to carry the box in your meetings. I'm like, Chuck, can you carry the box? I'm like, fine, I'll carry the box. You know, um, and by the way, if you ever want to not carry the box anymore, Mention that you're carrying the box because you're a man. Because they will, they will take that box away from you. Like, I, I, swear, I, I did it one time. This I, I know this lady, and we're friends. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. I'm a man. I'll carry the box. She, she like smacked my hand away, and like, I'll carry the box. I got it now. It's like, okay. Um, yeah. So I mean, in, in Toronto, where, where I live, there's not a lot of men in meetings. Um, so I do feel that kind of token status of being the token male in meetings and, um, you know, and I've come to, you know, accept that it's not the person who's, um, you know, it's not the person, I'm, I'm nobody, it's the story, it's the, the message and, um, you know what, I'm going to end a little bit early by saying like, that's the message that counts. So, um, it really doesn't matter really where you're, um, where you're from or who you are is, as long as I can relate to who's speaking, then everything is golden. Anyway, thank you very much. I'm ending early. I'm sorry. <laughs> More time for, for sharing. Thanks. Everybody, thanks for being here. My name is Wayne. I'm a grateful recovered, recovered compulsive eating food addict. Uh, I'm passing around some pictures, and if you on the flip side is uh, Roseanne, our founder. You, if you never saw a picture of her, that's uh, you'll be able to see it there. Uh, yeah, I came in uh, as you'll see in there. In the four, I was my top weight is over 400 pounds, and uh, what got me started was uh, I was at my cardiologist's office, and for uh, 
because I was I I couldn't do a regular treadmill because my blood pressure would go so far out of sight that I was going to explode. So they did uh, the nuclear one. So I had to carry a paper with me for a while for I think it's seven days or ten days. If I ever got pulled over, that I was because I was nuclear, they would have found a I was a nuke walking down the streets or driving a car actually at that point. So anyhow, <clears throat> he says to me. I was doing everything right at the time because I was I was exercising in a pool. I would go in because I couldn't do it on land because of my weight and the, and the joints and my ankles and my knees were just I couldn't I couldn't tolerate it. So I was doing that five or six days a week, and then uh, in my mind I was dieting. You know, I was, I cut down on eating. You know, instead of eating uh, eighteen hours a day, I was only eating seventeen. So that so was I was quiet. You know, I did good. So the only time I didn't eat was. The only when I ate, like I says, I, I ate when I was angry, in whatever way I was happy, whatever it may be, I was I was eating, and and then the other time that the only any other time that I ate was when I was awake, but uh, other than that I didn't eat. So, because <laughs> I was that's I had to be because I kept saying to everybody says, well, I don't eat that much. Uh, you know, here is here I am four hundred pounds. I say I don't eat that much. You see, I'm okay. You know, <laughs> tell me another story. Yeah. So anyhow, I come from a pretty dysfunctional family and. Uh, my uh, mother was an alcoholic. My, uh, I had plenty of them in my family, plus overeaters. Uh, my grandmother, I, we lost to her to this, this disease. She was uh, like in a close to 400 pounds, or well over three, anyway, 350, I'd say. I didn't ever weigh her, so I don't know. And another uncle that was over 500. And then and there was others that were still, they weren't quite that big, but they were all big. We lost a, lost a lot of a lot of people through their, these all these diseases. They don't care who they who to go after. So anyway, going back to my cardiologist, I, mean, I jump all over a lot because I don't, maybe I don't look nervous, but I'm very nervous. So, <laughs> but, so uh, he says to me, he says, "When you're doing all this stuff right, he says, but you got to lose some of this damn weight." He says, "Let me ask you one question." He says, "How many?" And uh, I was 69 years old at the time. He says to me, "How many people you know that are 69?" Over 70, weigh over 300 pounds. And I said, I can't really think of anybody. He said, that's all I'm going to say. So he, he said, I'll be right back. He stepped out of the room. And I think he stood outside the door for two or three minutes and come back in. He said, oh, where, where are we now? And he never said another word. And, and but my mind was going, the seed just sprouted. And it was growing, never mind just sprouting. And I said, wow. So I went to my first uh, meeting that weekend. And it was a big book meeting. And... And if it, I'm sure most of you are probably familiar with uh, page 69 in the big book. Last well, read the day uh, the they were at the point and reading this, I says, I'm saying to myself, oh, I think I'm in the wrong wrong meeting here because I don't have a problem with sex. It's the food that I have trouble with. So then, as I saw, everybody started sharing, and I said, okay, I'm in the right place. And like um, you've heard probably from many people, and maybe even him to you, that people just always welcome. I just I felt so comfortable being there, and I was I was really desperate. So, I uh, that was in uh, about this time in 2011, uh, 2011, and I was very fortunate because, like I said, I was I had the gift. Thank God for the gift of desperation, where I wanted this. I had a, I just knew I'd do it because I was going to die. Because he told me, he says, he says you can't do CPR, you can't do any of this stuff because you can't get to the to the heart. He says you're just going to be pushing fat around. You're going to be moving, moving, moving. That's it. So I got I was absent fairly November. 22nd, 2011, my abstinence date. So, like I said, I could come in. I was only in about a month, month and a half. And then uh, the other thing is, I was at my third meeting, 
at uh, my Tuesday night meeting I was going to that time, and they told in, in the first of the month they always, <clears throat> or at one point they always they they change chairs every month They're in uh, key holder and all this. So they said, "You have the key f for this month." So now I got to go to the meeting. So then the next month they said, "You're leading." I said, "No, I'm not." Yes, you are. So I said, "Okay," and then uh, and I would never share the meeting. Even though I was told that I said, if I don't share, you can't help me. But I saw, I just, I wouldn't share. I just, I just was too afraid. And so all of a sudden there was a, and I was, I was going to a, another fellowship, uh, speaker meetings. And I love speaker meetings. So in, in our area, we didn't have any speaker meetings except for one. It was on a Sunday night and it's on the fifth Sunday they have a speaker. So it was the fifth Sunday and I go out to that meeting and I get there early and I find out where it is because I've never been there before. And then I'm waiting, and all of a sudden, 7 o'clock comes, and then 5 after 7, there's nobody there. So I said, oh, boy, I said, maybe it's 7.30. I go in the car. I look at my schedule. No, it's 7 o'clock, and I'm sitting there for a couple more minutes. I was ready to leave, and all of a sudden, the light went on. So I went back in, and there was a woman sitting there. just got through writing in the We Care book. Uh, she was so depressed because nobody showed up for the meeting that night. And then I walk. And so then she was so happy. So now, so my higher power, I don't believe in coincidences. I think, and uh, he told everybody else to stay home and the two of us to show up. So I couldn't sit there for an hour and stare at her, so I had to share. <laughs> and, I, and I lived through it. I, I, I said to myself on the way home, so he, he didn't die, he lived through it. You could talk. So she was all happy, and I, I had told her a few weeks later, I answered a friend of mine that was at the first meeting I went to. And I hadn't known him before in rooms. And uh, I told him about it. He says, oh, he says, you're the guy. He says, because I guess she told him the same story. So that backed it up for me. Because uh, otherwise I thought somebody would nobody would believe me. Because I went back to that meeting no other times. And it was always at least 10 people, most of the time 14. So it was, it was just that one night. And so like I said, I, I just said, my higher power works in really strange ways. Then uh, I was just... Just lost my total train of thought. Yeah, so then uh, right away, the thing is, I got a sponsor, and I started working the steps. And, and all of a sudden, he he was uh, he had other interests, so we, he dropped me, more or less. We sort of, I guess we just parted ways. So then I couldn't find it, because when I come in, there was no men in my area. There was uh, once in a while, one man would show up, but other than that, it was always women. And uh, I was familiar with uh, a lot with AA, where they just men with the men, women with the women. So I says I didn't really want to ask a woman, but I ended up with a woman sponsor. But not, and uh, she happened to be from Ohio, Ohio. And so I was did it. It was that phone, and we did everything email and phone. And uh, she took me through the steps in uh, 13 weeks. And uh, once I got to my fourth step, that's the only time I slowed down a little bit because I was uh, sort of afraid. And then uh, once I did that, when I turned it over, my fifth step over, it felt like uh, the world was lifted off to my shoulders. I just, I just felt so relieved, and, and I felt that I didn't, you know, like it says, don't regret the past, and I was to shut the door on it. And, and he says, now you got rid of it, it's gone, it won't, shouldn't ever bother, it won't bother you again. And it's, so far it's been right. All of these steps, everything that steps is, to me, the, the steps are the program. And this is the fellowship, and I need both of this, because without you, I would lose it. I know I'd be back where I was, even though even with the steps. But I still, you know, that's the most important for you. That's the key. It's the key. The key, and I can't stress that enough because it's. I know that's what a few people saved my life, and uh, I'm so grateful for that. So the only weight limit, I'll tell you, the only the only goal weight I ever put on myself 
was I wanted to be under 300 pounds by my 70th birthday after what my cardiologist said to me. So I, I, was, I, was, really, I was very, very conscientious because I had been on so many diets all my life that I knew basically what calorie content and uh, counts in that. So I was very, very strict. And my birthday is April 2nd. April 1st, I get, I get on the scale and I weigh 299 pounds. And the first thing I did was I started crying like a baby. Cause I, and, uh, and I said, thank you, God, and thank you, all you people. Because without you, all of you, I could never have done it. Because my weight kept me going bigger and bigger and bigger. Because I know if, uh, if I ever stop this program, I know I'll be dead in a very short period of time. And it's, and it's all because of weight. And I used to take a lot of different medications because of the weight I had. And today, all I take is vitamins. And I take one other pill. <clears throat> it's called uh, Movic. And it's because I have a, I broke my ankle 50-some-odd years ago. And uh, the arthritis is in there, and it's very, very painful at times. And uh, I take one of those. But that's it. It's not, I don't take it every day. I just, like I say, as, as needed. So, And like I said, this, this program has done so many different things for me. You know, like I say, with that. And, and uh, I used to be such a nasty bastard. It was, I, I cut you apart with my tongue. or I didn't care about anybody. You know, and... And now today, all you think is, is others. You know, just like love and service, like Bob, Dr. Bob says, do for others. It's the three of them, like he says, the prescription supposedly he wrote, it said, oh, uh, <clears throat> clean house, trust God, do for others. And that's the program, basically. Because it's like, uh, to me, like the word how is honesty, honest, honesty, open-minded, or willingness. And those are the three things. Once I did all, once I do, if I keep doing those, the rest of my, I automatically work my program. It's just, and, uh, and it's the other thing I do is I do, my, my morning ritual is I do my praying meditating every single day because I know I need that every day. Because if I don't, I'm not going to go astray during the course of the day. And anytime I eat or anything, before any food goes in my mouth, I pray and thank him. And I think of every, where it all came from, you know, how many people got involved to get me that food. And the work that went involved in it. And after I get through, I thank him for it. It's like the first thing in the morning is I open my eyes and I say, good morning, God. Thank you for the gift of another day. And uh, we go from there. And uh, Because uh, especially, I, we're all on borrowed time, I know that. But especially, you know, I have a lot of friends that I grew up with that are all gone past. They're all gone. <clears throat> you know, and I said, wow, I'm very fortunate. And here I was carrying all this weight all these years, eating and also drinking, you know, and this is... And I'm still here, so he's just, a lot of them, they were exercise freaks and everything else. So, because uh, he had other plans for me, <laughs> so, and I'm thankful for that. Because I know I lost a daughter to the alcohol. She was just two weeks before her 52nd birthday, she died from this, from one of the our diseases. They're, they're, they don't care, they're brutal, you know. They, it wants to kill us. Because I know my disease, it's always waiting, it's waiting for me to just take a weak moment, it's going to nail me. And uh, I'm not going to let that happen. See, that's why I keep coming, keep coming. Uh, now, I, that's enough about me, I think. I'm going to just pass a little things along about uh, OA and uh, men. I'll put them out, and you can pick them up. But it's easy to do with, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of uh, OAmen.org. It's, uh, it's a bunch of, uh, uh, so we did a, a men's meeting in uh, Cleveland, and it's, it's brought off of that, and then somebody picked it up, and they started a Tuesday night. It's a men's meeting, phone meeting. And they also, now they have over, I'll leave this so you can take a look at it. I don't want to, there's seven pages of men in OA that either, and down here you can find, if you're looking for a sponsor, you can find one here. 
If you're looking to make outreach calls or want to outreach calls, you get involved with their uh, sign up. You can sign up for it, and uh, and, and there's plenty of it. These, like I said, I didn't print a lot of these off. But I have this one here. It says, OA, <clears throat> men in OA, you're not alone. So you can level take these or just take, a, take some extras if you want. There's plenty here for a bunch of people we have here and pass them on, pass the word. And there's, uh, matter of fact, I have a, we started an OA men's meeting uh, in New Britain, Connecticut, uh, six years ago. Matter of fact, we're having an anniversary uh, meeting uh, this week before Thanksgiving. Uh, and we used to, we started out with three of us, and now it's it's averages anywhere from ten to fourteen to come every week. So it's really it's grown. It's really really great. And and uh, I found like a lot of men don't want to go to mixed meetings. They won't come into OA because it's not macho to be, be have a problem with food, but alcohol and drugs that's a different story. So uh, and uh, they start there, and once they get used to sharing, they get they feel comfortable. You, I feel comfortable myself. Then I can go out and go to other meetings and not be afraid to share in front of women. So there's some more information on that uh, where you can go to uh, sign up for that website, or for that uh, group. And there's another one they just started. I only I just just got this one. It's a Zoom meeting. I don't know if anybody's familiar with Zoom. I'm not, but but there's one here for that, too. I only have one of those because I didn't have time. Uh, and also, has everybody signed up for the uh, bulletin from uh, World? If you're not, what if, if you go to OA.org and you open up uh, the first little box that pops up, well, this is what you get every month. They send what's all the new stuff and what's happening with OA throughout the world. So it's very, very, a very, very good information piece of literature. So I suggest you do that. Uh, also, another thing that we all should have is the OA handbook. It's like a lot of questions people have about meetings. All the answers are right in this little book, this little piece of literature here. Also, uh, it's for service bodies, you know, like intergroups. And um, anything you want to know, if you have any questions or any problems, the answers are all in this book. And I think they're like 250 or something like that. And uh, I think that's pretty much it for me. I want to thank you all for being here to help my recovery. Thank you. Okay, this workshop will end at 12. We will now open the floor for three-minute pitches. The timer will signal you when you have one minute left. If you'd like to share, come to the front of the room, form a line to the right. You must sign the release form before you speak, which is there. Um, step up to the microphone, introduce yourself, tell where you're from, how long you've been in OA, and remind OA members who are in other fellowships to speak only to your personal recovery in OA. Please stick to the topic of the meeting. For those who arrive late, the topic of this workshop is men. And now we're open for sharing. Excuse me. Also, I have one more piece here. It's called Five and Keep Call Five and Keep Them Alive. Take some of these, and then you copy them. You just, you just cut them up into fours and hand them out at your meetings. And it's where somebody you have, that hasn't seen at a meeting for a while, it's somebody, especially people that come regularly, all of a sudden you don't see them for two or three weeks, give them a call. Hi, guys. 
I'm Ken G. Um, grateful recovering compulsive overeater, sugar addict, alcoholic, spender and debtor, triple crown winner. I have been uh, August 13th. I had um, 35 years in uh, AA, clean and sober, and three years in uh, OA, and uh, 34 years since my last three packs of cigarettes a day. That was a significant moment for me. And um, over the years, I've been in and out. Uh, I guess I'm a relapse survivor, because uh, once I got sober, then I ultimately came into OA also, but flipped in and out until I figured out that the program came with a, uh, 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 a booklet that told us how to do it. And I had not done the steps in OA because I had done the steps many times in AA. Anyway, uh, since um, from my heaviest to now, I've been maintaining a 154-pound um, weight loss. I have about... 30 or so to go, but if you're a loser, you're a winner, so I'm sticking with my abstinence. Um, I, since I only have a brief moment, I do want to urge you to join the Zoom face-to-face uh, -face meeting. It happens Wednesday evenings, 7 p.m., and uh, if you're available, I have, to see me after the meeting, I have cards that have the link in it, and it's not just video. Some people join audio. It's international. And we have people from France and uh, Nova Scotia and Australia and various places, although it looks like they're sitting right across the room from you because the Zoom software is so good. Um, also, <clears throat> I, like many of you, picked up, thank you, dropped, once I got sober and dropped alcohol and drugs, then I picked up the food. And a lot of, many, many men have gone through that route. So, although this is not a place to talk about it, the Wednesday night meeting has no prohibition about talking about alcoholism in your past as long as it relates to your recovery in OA in the present. We also <clears throat> have trouble with authority figures. So, <laughs> we do a little crosstalk, which in a meaningful way, and I tell everybody that we. Cannot um, we don't have any profanity unless it's for fucking emphasis or fucking humor. That's it. Thank you. So it's kind of a it's an interesting meeting. I urge you to join it, and I urge you to hang on to your abstinence because uh, when I originally came in, uh, um, I was suicidal. Now, uh, September eighth, I turned seventy five. And this has been the best time of my life. And if you come to the Sunday morning, Sunday is with uh, sex on Sunday, which is happening tomorrow, <laughs> you'll find out why. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name's Hugh. I'm a compulsive reader and addict. Hi. Um, I'm. Uh, I live in uh, Brookline, Massachusetts, and I'm very fortunate that of the. Uh, the four OA meetings I go to every week, three of them are men's meetings because we have that in, 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 in the Boston area, and uh, I'm really lucky. Not that I'm not comfortable uh, in women's meetings, uh, although that took some time because in the early days, you all know how, how few of us there were, uh, but that worked out, 
and uh, now I have these great men's meetings in addition to some mixed meetings. Um, but the reason I wanted to share in this men's meeting is because I heard something this morning that I want to that I want to talk about. Um, uh, a woman was sharing earlier today how she had a uh, hashtag Me Too experience back before there was hashtag Me Too, and part of her recovery uh, was confronting her abuser, and she did, and she, you know, and it was about her. It wasn't about him, and I get that, but I gathered from what she said that uh, his response wasn't very encouraging, um, and that made me think, because I, uh, I, I, I grew up in an environment where I didn't really get a, a real good model of, of the way a man should act, but fortunately, uh, I've met a lot of men in this program that are really good models of of the way men should behave. Uh, I even had a couple of bosses in my life during my career that that are good models. And uh, also, I happen to be in the middle of my uh, most thorough ninth step ever right now. And I realize, hearing that woman talk, real men, as I understand it, own their behavior. Real men own the consequences of their action. And that's the, kind of, that's the kind of man I want to be. And that's why I'm doing this ninth step yet again. Um, I'll probably have to go back to some people, including women, and uh, redo it because I did it sloppily the first time. Uh, that depends on what my sponsor thinks. We'll see. Um, but I wanted to share that thought in a men's meeting because I learned a lot this morning. Thank you. Morning. I'm uh, Chuck, a compulsive overeater. I'm from uh, New Pulse, New York, in the Hudson Valley. Um, I just wanted to say how grateful I am to be here um, and to have, you know, men in a meeting. Uh, after last year's convention, I, I committed there to open a men's meeting where I live, um, and it's very difficult uh, if if there's three people there, it's a lot. Um, but it's not up to me how many men show up. It's it's there. And perhaps someday it'll take off like you were talking about. You know, now there's 10 or 13 people in a meeting. It's discouraging at times. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that the, the attitude towards it is changing a little bit. You know, we're, we're not in that macho, you know, I don't have a problem and I can take care of it by myself. <clears throat> so um, I'm starting to see more men. When I walked into the program four years ago, the first meeting I was in, there was no men. And because of that and because of, you know, so many things I heard in there, I wanted to bolt. But desperation kept me in it. And I owe a lot to the women in no way. Um, my sponsor is a woman, best sponsor in the world for me, still is after four years. And I sponsor two women and two men. Um, and, but the the women treated me equally. Um, they didn't perceive me as a threat. Um, and I was on my very best behavior all the time. You know, I like most guys... You know, there's a room full of women. I'm checking them all out. And 
Um, I still do that occasionally, but I try not to. Uh, that's not what I'm here for. I'm, I'm here to recover. Uh, and women are the biggest part of this organization. So, you know, I, I just want to learn from them. I want to learn how to be a better man and treat them equally and as they treat me, kindly and lovingly. And I can walk into a meeting in any place in this country. Generally, it's just women. And I have on vacations. I've walked into meetings, you know, in places I've never been. And generally, it's all women. No problem. And that's a great thing. And I, and I think we need to learn from them, you know, how to treat each other. You know, I, I watch how women treat other women in these meetings. And I think that probably we could do the same thing. You know, we, we tend to be more, more uh, macho. And uh, my time is up, so thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Matthew, and I'm a compulsive eater. I'm from New Haven, Connecticut, and I'm really happy to be here. This is my second convention. I love the one that was in Toronto last year so much that I signed right up as soon as I saw it was available. I signed up six, seven months ago for this one. Um, there are, excuse me, there's four angels in my life. Okay, And um, by definition, angels are servants of God. Okay, they don't necessarily have wings. They, in my life, they were human beings that just had certain manifestations, and at the time, they were serving God. And the first one was a man. And um, the night before, I had, or the, the afternoon before, I had tried to go to an AA meeting, and um, I, I two stepped recovery for fifteen years, and that's in the twelve and twelve where. He, Bill talks about you work in the first step because I was powerless over alcohol. I'm, I'm a multi-symptom nut job. And um, the other thing is, is you're doing, you know, you, you can admit that you're powerless, but you tell the whole world about it. And I did that for 15 years, so I was a dry drunk. And the whole while, that whole while, my um, compulsive eating was totally enabled. And that was what was killing me very, very slowly. And um, I got to a point where my world came apart, so I did what I thought was best. I went back to AA thinking, because I, I learned to get well there once, let's do it again, and, and it just wasn't working for me. And um, The whole fact that OA had, with my mind, was always a women's program, it kept me out of the rooms for so long. And and finally, one, one afternoon, I went to a meeting, and I watched four really nice women walk into a room, walk into the room, and I couldn't go in. Because it was men with the men and women with the women. And I was really, I was in a state of despair. So what did I do? I did what I was taught to do. I went to a meeting, an AA meeting, and I shared about it because I needed to get it off my chest. And I, and right out there, I decided that, uh, um, you know, I knew there was another meeting coming up. So I told everyone, you're going to have to excuse me, but I'm going to try and go to, I'm going to try and go to an AA OA meeting again. I'm going to try and get there and get what I need. And I said, I love you all, but I'm just not getting what I need right now. I need help with food. And so I'm going to go to this meeting and, you know, I love you. I'll be back to this room because I know I get help here too. And in, in the parking lot, I heard a voice and it said, Matthew, and it was a, a man that I met who had many, many years in, in AA. And he said, can I go with you to the OA meeting? And at, at that point, the, the 
the burden that I was carrying got a little bit lighter. It was kind of like he came over and said, I got part of this. Come on, let's go. And on the way to the OA meeting, he told me he had been in OA for about 20 years. And he had 30-some-odd years in AA. And when I got there, I met four ladies. And they, the way they made me feel, they were my angels of hope. That's where I found out and they realized that I could get well again. And uh, that was a couple of years ago. And um, I've lost 140 pounds. And I've been abstinent for 18 months. So the first, the man was my angel of deliverance. And these three ladies that I met in the rooms, they were my angels of hope. And I call them that to, to this day. And I'm grateful that I can be here. Thanks a lot. Gentlemen, wow. <clears throat> my name is Don. I am a compulsive overeater. I'm compulsive everything. And it's a pleasure to see so many guys here. Um, I've been in OA for probably somewhere around 16 years. I have about a 100-pound weight loss. I walked in the door, and I thought that I was fine because I was a gym rat. And uh, at the weight that I was at, I was doing competitive powerlifting. And I thought, you know, this is pretty cool. I'll go in just, just because. And the real reason was because my wife went. So I went with her. And I found out that I got a lot of issues. I'm a drummer in a rock and roll band. I'm a drummer that owns 22 guitars. And I'm saying to myself, you are a compulsive human being. You know, it's not, just, it's not just food that you're compulsive about. It's about pretty much everything in your life. And I walked in the doors of this, this program, and I'm looking around, and I'm seeing tons of ladies. I mean, lots of women. And I like women a lot. Um, I, I thought to myself, maybe I'm, I'm, maybe I'm a sex addict. And so I went to a... a an essay meeting just for grins to see if I was a sex addict. And I found out, well, maybe you're not, but maybe you just like girls. And I do. But one of the things that I found out was that no matter whether I'm male or female, it makes no difference. Food is an issue. Food is a real issue. I'm one of those people that I don't think about food all the time, never have. I don't have a specific trigger food. Uh, every food is a trigger food. I love food. And I don't think about it until I sit down at the table. And then I don't have an off switch. And I look around, I'm thinking to myself, you know, my brother has an off switch. Why don't I? When we were kids, he called me Chubbles. And I've had a weight problem since, I don't know, since I was probably five or six years old. And I realize that I don't have that off switch. I also realize that when I'm really, really sad... I eat. When I'm really, really angry, I eat. When I'm really, really happy, I like eating then too. So when do I like to eat? Pretty much whenever I'm standing up straight or I'm sitting down or I'm laying down, I want to eat something. And the long and short of it is I've come to the conclusion that I am a compulsive overeater. I'm a male compulsive overeater, and I don't have a lot of people to share with. And that does bother me. It bothers me greatly. I will talk to the ladies, but I don't sponsor women, and I don't look to a woman to sponsor me. And because I'm the timekeeper, that's it for me. Thank you, gentlemen. Glad you're here. Thank you. 
Hi, everybody. My name is Tony, and I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Hey, Tony. It's great to be at a men's meeting. My first meeting was about 150 people, five men. And um, you know, as a kid growing up, being morbidly obese, uh, I never had interactions with women, girls. Uh, they didn't want to go out with me, and I can understand that I wouldn't want to go out with a 300-pound girl. So why would they want to go out with a 300-pound guy? And um, I married my wife because she said yes, my first wife. Not my second wife, my first wife. And it was a disservice to both of us. And unfortunately, I can't, couldn't, I can't make an amends to my first wife. She had passed away. Um, you know, the only good thing happened is I had two lovely children who are estranged from me. But, uh, you know, being in OA, I only have men's sponsors. And I only sponsor a woman when there was no men around and with the understanding that once they finish their third step, they have to get a sponsor. I don't want to know anything about the fourth step with a woman, and I really don't want to sponsor women. And I also don't hug women. Very few women do I hug. Because I, you know, being as old as I am, I still have urges, and I have a lovely wife, and I don't want to take a chance of... And I don't know what she's thinking either. It doesn't make a difference whether one thinking or both are thinking. And then my life is going to be a total mess. So it's like I shake your hand. A few people I'll, I'll hug only because I know them for so long, and there is, I know there is no chemistry. Um, so I just want to say that I, I, I don't understand why men don't, you know, they come for two meetings and that's the end. Uh, in fact, there's a meeting in Long Island, and I don't remember the date, but it's coming up like the 35th uh, men's uh, meeting uh, out in, in Deer Park. So it's on a meeting list. So anyhow, um, great to see you guys. Hope I can see you next year. Hi, my name is Jerry. I'm a compulsive overeater. I've been in program 19 years. I just want to give a shout-out for men. If it wasn't for Bill W. and Bob Smith, none of these programs will exist. So we've got to give a shout-out to men. We're not all bad men. You know, if you go into this women liberation and everything else, that's a problem. Can you hear me now, Bob? Don? <laughs> I just got a guy telling me his name is Tony, and I know him as something else. But anyhow, to make a long story short, I love women. I'm married to a woman for 60 years, and she loves me too. And we have three daughters, and they're all beautiful, and I love them. And I have three sisters, and I love them too. So, you know, it's got to go a little something now with all this liber liberation and whatnot, this and that. We're not bad guys. There are bad guys, and there are bad politicians and everything else, but that goes on both sides of the, the street. And I got news for you, and I say this because I came up here with a woman from program I know for 19 years, and uh, I made a jest. I said, I'm going to go to a woman's meeting because, you know, we go all these meetings together. And she says to me, uh, well, I don't know if I want to go to a woman's meeting. And I says to her, well, maybe you should go. Maybe you get lucky because she doesn't have a husband, you know. So those are those things that, you know, we produce something good. 
you know, God was a man, as far as I'm concerned. So I'm saying to you that all of these things, whether you put somebody in this class or that class, and it all gets down to two things. And the first thing is, there's a 12-step program. And the second thing is, there's a 12-step program. Because if it wasn't for programs, none of us would be here. And the most important thing is this. We have to pass on to our politicians to get into a 12-step program. Because if they were in a 12-step program, they wouldn't have it so many problems. We got, problem, we got politicians, they go to jail, they come out. They go back to office again. I said, where's that? I said, if you, if you go to jail, you lose your right to, to, if it's a felony, you use your right to vote. Yet you could become a, a mayor or a judge or whatever else as long as you don't do something else. But anyhow, shout out to men. We are the best. <laughs> I'm still a compulsive leader. This is always one of my favorite parts of uh, conventions, stuff like that, seeing men and, uh, you know, meeting men from other areas and stuff like that. Um, I've been I've been in program over 16 years, and uh, you know I've been to I, I'm from New York, so I've been to plenty of meetings in, in New York City and Long Island, and, and I've traveled around. and And men ourselves are such a small minority of of the OA per, per, uh, percentage. But in those 16 years, when I think about the funerals of people who have died, I've been to most of them have been men. And, and and that's why uh, I come here, honestly, you know, that, that it is life and death for me. Um, and and I've, I've seen the men come and go and the men who, who take what they like from the program, like it's a buffet, and they'll take the meetings and they'll take the fellowship in this and leave other stuff. And, and, and I've seen the path of the men who, who do everything that's uh, suggested to them and, and recover. And I... Um, and I'm really trying to do that. Um, you know, the, the, I think this meeting would be a thousand times different if it wasn't, if it wasn't being recorded. Um, and, and for me, you know, I need to uh, have the, the people in my life that, you know, I could share it openly and, and honestly with. And, and for me, you know, those have to be men. I, I, there are plenty of, you know, uh, things I could say to – I have plenty of women friends in program. My wife is, is in program. I You know, I could be honest about lots of things, but – but for those little things, you know, when we talk about, you know, the causes and conditions that talks about in the big book, when, when it talks about, uh, you know, the selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, you know, a lot of those, not, not a lot of them, but there's, there's a small little percentage of that that I can only say to men where it's not being recorded, but also say, say to, those, to, to the men and, and still feel the unconditional love and acceptance and not eat over it. You know, that's the biggest thing. You know, I could work a, a pretty good program just uh you know with women and and things like that but it's not going to be you know fearless and thorough like it talks about in, in the fourth step it's not going to be that total house cleaning and then i need to do that you know for myself i mean there's a reason you know i've been in program 16 years and, and i'm not at a goal weight and i think some of the issues that i have besides loving food and being a food addict and, and all and all that there's still other things that, that i still um am working on and dealing with and um you know i'm grateful you know to 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 have that and uh you know also the other thing i want to share though the, the men that i have heard because there's so few of us we 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 become a a very close tight knit group but at the same time because we become so close and tight knit we don't have to be as honest about things 
You know, I have plenty of men I could talk, I could go to lunch with and spend a couple hours with, and we're never going to talk about recovery, never going to talk about steps, never going to talk about food. We're going to talk about the games and politics and everything else. And um, so when I come here, the people who I don't know and I don't have those kind of relationships with, that's who, that's who I need to also bond with, too, where I can still talk program. So thanks. It's lunchtime. <laughs> I'm going off script. Watch me. Um, so I'm going to say this. So there's a survey that's going to be sent after next week. And if you're saying this little recording thing is bothering us, then make a comment. Because those things are reviewed. And just putting that out there. Convention's for you. So um, it's your feedback. So we'd like to thank everyone who attended this workshop. We'll now close the meeting with a serenity prayer.